This is Melissa Ford-Locken. Rosalie Petrowski. Susan, Seraph, and Jess. Editors for the Washington Square Review. Washington Square On Air showcases the poetry and fiction of the latest edition of LCC's literary journal, The Washington Square Review, read by the poets, authors, and editors themselves. Expect the unexpected as our contributors express experience and fantasy with humor, imagination, poetic license, irony, and passion. If you love language at its most original, please join us in our audio town square to celebrate a community of writers spanning from around the world to Lansing. This is Melissa Fordlocken, editor for the Washington Square Review. Today I'm talking with Chris Arthur who's a contributor to the Washington Square Review, and the essay that Chris submitted is titled Letters from the Dead. Well, thank you, Chris, and welcome to our podcast. Thanks, Melissa. It's uh, good to be here on air with you. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about your essay. How did you come to write it? Well, like a lot of the essays that I write, it started from uh, simply finding objects that seemed to speak to me, if you like. I mean, quite often I find... Objects seem to have stories built into them. There's something about them. And uh, with these particular objects, there were letters that I found in among my father's papers when I was clearing out his desk, uh, handwritten letters from his parents. And they just fascinated me because they gave me a glimpse into his life and a glimpse into the lives of grandparents that I'd never met because they died before I was born. What kind of emotional experience was that? Uh, Hard to put in a nutshell. I I mean, if if I'm honest, which I I guess I ought to be, uh, (laughs) part of the emotion was pleasure at finding something that I knew was going to work as an essay because, um, you know, I enjoy writing essays. It's something that, that I've done for years and it gives me great pleasure. And sometimes a piece almost writes itself Sometimes you find something and you think, yeah, that gives me an angle. That gives me, it tells the story itself. So in a sense, all I have to do is sit down, take the thing, think about it. Uh, it's, It's also a reminder of just how powerful writing can be, because simply finding a few sheets of paper that someone decades ago had written on, it opens up a whole realm of stories, a whole realm of ideas about their lives and what was happening for them. I'm wondering if the writing of the essay evoked new emotions compared to when you first found the letters. Yeah, I, th- I think it, it made me reflect on uh, what I've just been speaking about in, in terms of the potency of language, how, you know, something that has no feelings in it, has no kind of... It's just a sheet of paper, some marks made with a pen. Uh, you know, it's something that is is old, that is uh, fragile, that will probably at some point, you know, just get thrown away. But it spoke to me in that moment, and it said something not just about that time in history and not just about those specific lives. It said something about what you can do when you put pen to paper and and how that can communicate across time between very different personalities and and how it carries that cargo with it. And I I find that fascinating. 
One of the things that strikes me is that when you have an experience, as you described, of finding the letters, you experience it alone, but then when you write it into an essay, you begin to make it meaningful for someone else, and you invite them into your world. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's 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 one of the one of the key pleasures of writing. I mean, that that you can actually communicate uh, the the insight that you're getting from from a thing, and you can make it come alive uh, on the page. I find it really fascinating. Um, the letters, I guess, belong to a type of essay. I think it was Adam Gopnik who said there are three types of essays: review essays, memoir essays, and what he calls odd object essays, and a lot of my essays fall into that last category, except I don't think the, the I don't think the objects are particularly odd. I think they're more often ordinary. But I think when you start to look at ordinary objects, when you start to write essays about them, you realize that they're not ordinary at all. They're they're extraordinary. So I think this essay falls into that kind of category. Uh, I mean, it's you know I write other sorts of essays as well, but but. I think the ones I enjoy most start with something concrete. You know, they start with whether it's a letter or a briefcase or, you know, an owl's skull, because it can be a, you know, a natural object as opposed to a manufactured one. Um, it seems to me simply fascinating to unpack the cargo that, that is there and to share that with readers. What are some other objects that you've created essays from? Oh, goodness, let me think. Um, well, in terms of manufactured objects, I, I guess, yeah. Well, the first essay I, I ever wrote, this, the first serious essay that I wrote was a piece called Ferule. And Ferule was, its point of departure was the Ferule at the end of my, my father's walking stick. You know, a small metal cap that protects the wood when you put it on the ground. And yeah, that, that essay, actually, if I can sort of, I don't know, maybe this is a slight digression, but it was the first essay I wrote, and I had a piece of beginner's luck with that, um, because the first journal I offered it to uh, said yes, and it got published, and I got paid for it. And on the basis of that, a literary agent contacted me and said, oh, I'm quite interested in what you do. That was just an interesting um I sometimes wonder what would have happened if that editor had said no. Um, you know, things might, might have turned off, turned out very differently. But as well as as that, I've I've written about old books, uh, briefcases, uh, cigarette box, um, a Japanese temple bell. Uh, that was an essay I very much enjoyed um, writing as well. Uh, statue of a Buddha, a Klausoni bowl. And if you think of, you know, moving from the manufactured to natural, I've written about leaves, drift seeds, um, birds' eggs, fossilized whale bones. You know, that's just what comes to mind. Uh, I've, I've probably forgotten some, but it's, it's a frequent source in what I, what I write. How do you know when you come across an object that it's time to write an essay about it? Uh, now, that's that's a very good question, very interesting question. It simply announces itself. You know, I know. I don't know if I could explain that. Um, you know, sometimes it looks very unpromising. But, um, I mean, like, for example, um, one autumn, a leaf blew into my gateway, and it was just slightly unusually shaped. 
and I picked it up and yeah, I just knew that that was going to work as an essay, but it doesn't always happen. You know, I, I would love to know what it is about things that sometimes they generate pieces of writing and sometimes they don't. And I don't think I understand that. Have you ever come across an object and wish that it called for an essay, but it didn't? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That does sometimes happen. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I have occasionally started essays and abandoned them. But I think at this point uh, in, in my you know writing experience, uh, I can recognize that fairly rapidly now and uh, simply, you know, not proceed beyond the first couple of paragraphs. Do you do anything with the abandoned pieces? Yeah, I keep the abandoned pieces in a file, which I call originally dump file. And my intention at some point is to do something with it, but I never have yet. And and I'm kind of wary of getting drawn too far into it, because I think sometimes when you dump something, there's a very good reason for dumping it. And, you know, whether or not there's any live potential, real potential in it, that's debatable. Occasionally, you know, if, I, if I'm not working on a, on a kind of current piece, I look through that file looking for leads. And so far, without exception, I simply think, nah, those aren't going to work. I know you've written books as well as the essays, and I'm wondering what the writing process, how it, in what ways is it similar and what ways is it different? Yeah, well, I guess writing books of essays uh, is, in, in a sense, you're spoiled because you, you you can publish them a bit at a time. I mean, I, I sometimes feel sorry for fiction writers. Well, I guess if you're a short story writer, you can do the short stories and then work it up to a novel. But with with my books of essays, I mean, a proportion of the essays will always have been published in journals. That will be their first airing. I mean, I'll alter them for the book. But it's not as if I sit down and write uh, an essay collection from scratch. You know, it's more a case of of putting together essays that I think work together. And that, that again, is a, is a part of the writing process that I don't fully understand. Uh, you know, when you know that you have a collection and that it works as a collection, um, because it's not just a case of, you know, shoveling, uh, a certain number of essays together to get the length of a book. I mean, it's it's got to have some sort of coherence. It's got to it's got to fit together, um, and it's difficult to put into words just what it is that makes a collection a collection. Uh, it's something that interests me, but I don't have a an easy answer to it. Maybe if you did have an answer, it wouldn't interest you anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. You're probably right. If I had an answer, I would probably put together a book that I didn't really want to write. Yeah, so I hope that you don't get the answer in that case. <laughs> it sounds like there's a lot of intuition involved and honoring your own intuition. And that, that can be tough because other people sometimes will want to offer you um, insight or feedback. And it sounds like you really just is an intuitive process for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think intuition is it plays a big part in it. But but I mean, I do I do listen to what people say. You know, if people are offering offering advice, I mean, I I, I have learned a lot about writing from feedback from readers and from comments that editors have made and that kind of thing. So I mean, I'm I'm open to that. But um, 
nobody has said anything so far that uh, has led me to understand the, the, the kind of dynamic of putting together a, a collection. That's something that I, that I do very intuitively. You mentioned uh, feedback from readers and editors. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I mean, some of the writers that I know claim not to read reviews and claim not to be particularly interested in what readers say and, you know, go back to the kind of old thing that writers are really only writing for themselves. And I mean, you know, I understand that. I, I mean, part of me is writing for me, but part of me is definitely not. I mean, I'm I'm extremely interested to hear what people think when they read a piece of mine. I mean, Sometimes, of course, if it's, if it's an editor, they, they have very particular things that they want to say in terms of whether a piece fits their journal. But I think the feedback that I enjoy getting most is the kind of out-of-the-blue feedback from a reader I've never heard of who just gets in touch, you know, the joy of email, just gets in touch and lets me know that something that I've written has touched them. You know, it has moved them and it has meant something to them. And they've taken the time and the trouble to get in touch and say something about that. And I find that enormously encouraging. I mean, it's it's kind of, you know, I, I think uh, writing needs to be read. You know, it needs readers, reading and writing. It's it's like the kind of two beats in the heart, the systole diastole, you know, reading and writing. So uh, that, that, that's really special if readers do get in touch and let me know how, how an essay has, has affected them. Yeah, I, would, I agree with that because it, it shows you how important it was to them that they would take the time to find you and find a way to get in touch and, and let you know. Yeah, ex exactly, exactly. So it sounds like the feedback that you get from the readers serves a different purpose than the feedback that you get from editors. Yes, I, I, th I think that's true. Yeah, that's, that, that's true. I mean, one of the things I value about feedback from editors is the way sometimes they suggest cuts that I wouldn't have thought of myself and occasionally very radical cuts, you know, like an 8,000 word essay. They say, well, actually, you know, we could, we could do this in 6,000 and how's about doing it this way? And although I'm quite resistant to losing that degree of what I've written, I am deeply impressed by the skill of some editors who can make it work. And I, I, I like to think I've learned a bit about that um, from, you know, one of the things I like to do is send work out to a whole range of journals. You know, I, I enjoy doing that. I enjoy publishing in different places. And part of the enjoyment stems from the interaction I've had over the years with a whole variety of editors giving all sorts of different bits of feedback. Mm hmm yeah. And so each journal has a different approach to the way they put things together and the sorts of things that they look for. And that can be really helpful for people that are interested in submitting to keep that in mind. Absolutely. I mean, so some places are happy to take things exactly as you send them. And, you know, that's that's nice. But uh, so, some editors take a much more, um, well, let's work on this together. Uh, we wanted to, to kind of fit the mission of our journal and we wanted to fit this particular format. Um, occasionally that can be irksome and, you know, if it's very irksome, I will never darken their door again, but, uh, more frequently it's helpful and it allows me to stand back from my writing and see it the way someone else sees it. And someone who is, you know, expert in, in the business of putting together the written word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You mentioned being a fellow with the Royal Literary Fund. 
Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, the Royal Literary Fund, a fascinating organization based in London, and it's a charity that exists to support writers. Um, part of its charitable function is simply, um, you know, being there to help writers who are in need, who are in financial distress. And they have a whole scheme that has helped writers over the years, including some very, you know, famous uh, names. But they also run, in addition to their charitable work, they run something called their fellowship scheme, where they will appoint writers as fellows for a period of one, two or three years and place those fellows for a couple of days a week into one of the universities in the UK that is cooperating with the scheme. And the idea is that professional writers have something to offer students. You know, students are, are charged with writing essays, projects, assignments, dissertations. And the Royal Literary Fund took the view that uh, the standard of writing in Britain at universities was a little bit, uh, well, not as good as it could be. Uh, they came to that view uh, some years ago and they thought, well, how can we help? And they decided they could help by placing writers into the universities and uh, outside of the kind of academic, you know, assessment system, just being there and allowing students to book time to come and see them and talk with them about their writing. And this is, you know, you, you could be talking to a, a student from any subject area about anything they're wanting to write. And it's it's a fascinating thing to do. I've held a number of those fellowships, and I'm grateful to the Royal Literary Fund for letting me do so, because, again, it it, it has brought me into contact with such a range of different writers and students trying to improve their writing skills. And I like to think that I've been helpful to them, but they've also been helpful to me, because in talking with students about writing, and in making suggestions about, you know, how they can improve a piece, how they can improve their writing practice. I mean, that actually helps me to think about how I write and, and uh, hopefully to make some improvements too. Right. It kind of puts you in that editor seat that you, we were talking about before. Yeah, abso absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit, what are you working on right now, today or tomorrow? Uh well, a couple of things. Um, I mean, I have a book in press called uh, What Is It Like to Be Alive? 14 Attempts at an Answer. Uh, that book is written. Um, so I'm at the stage I've just uh, completed the copy edits. So I've gone through the copy edits and those are back with the editor. So, you know, that that's very much a current project, but the sort of writing of that is done. I'm also working on something completely different um, that I'm kind of experimenting with. Uh, one of the things I like to write, as well as essays, uh, I've always been fascinated in haiku poetry. And recently, an artist got in touch with me. She'd come across some of my haiku poetry and thought they fitted some of her paintings and was wanting to use some in an exhibition catalog, which was great. So we collaborated on that. And we're now experimenting or um, making inquiries about a co-written book with um, paintings by the artist and haiku by me. And it, it would be a, a book of bird haiku. I mean, birds are something that fascinate me, always have done. Some of my essays are about birds. But I also like to write uh, in a completely different gear. You know, essays, that allows you, well, 
there, there is no upper limit in a sense. You can write virtually any length. Uh, my essays tend to be between six and 8,000 words. So sometimes it's nice just to say, okay, I'm going to change gear completely and uh, write in 17 syllables. So <laughs> That's quite I'm, a difference. <laughs> yeah, it's a big difference. So I, I'm quite enjoying both collaborating with an artist and exploring a very different side of publishing because, I mean, I'm used to placing manuscripts for essay collections. This is the first time I've tried to place a manuscript for um, an illustrated book, and it, it will be a richly illustrated book. Uh, whether or not we'll succeed, I don't know. Publishing's a funny business, as I'm sure you know. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> if someone would like to start with reading your work, what would you suggest they read first? I'm always slightly slightly flummoxed by that question. <laughs> I mean, part of, part of me says read the most recent one, um, which is Hidden Cargoes, which is, came out last year. And uh, my daughters would, would agree with that choice. They say that's the best one to start with, but their reason is because it's the shortest. <laughs> and they, they think, oh, yeah, well, that's, that's easy. I would either start with that one, Hidden Cargoes, or a new and selected essays volume that came out in 2009. That was called Words of the Grey Wind. And the reason I'd recommend that is because, in a sense, you're getting three books for the price of one because most of that book draws its material from my first three collections, Irish Nocturnes, Irish Willow, and Irish Haiku, and pairs it with some new work. So, you know, you, you, you get some of my earlier work and, and some of the later stuff. So th those would be the two things, I reckon. Beautiful. That sounds great. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for listening to our talented poets and authors. Until next time, this has been Washington Square On Air. Where we showcase selections from Lansing Community College's Literary Journal. The Washington Square Review. A publication featuring writers in the Great Lakes State. Across the nation. And around the world. To find out more about the Washington Square Review, visit lcc.edu slash WSR. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed sharing.